Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey. Hey, everybody. I hope you're having a strong, powerful, positive week ahead of you. Um, I am so looking forward to today's podcast because it's been something that I've been wanting to talk about for such a long time, but we wanted to wait for the right time to give you guys the newest updates. This is something that is very, very near and dear to my heart. It's honestly the whole reason why I even do the things that I do as far as television and you know having a podcast because it allows me to have a voice and to talk about the things that I really care about. Most of you know that I'm very passionate to protect the victims of sex trafficking. Human trafficking is now the second largest form of dark crime in the world and it's explosive the way statistics change every single day about human trafficking because it is a force that has not been handled the way that it needs to be. It hasn't been given the due justice it needs to be, the punishments, the, the execution to dealing with the trafficking that's out there hasn't been, hasn't been executed the way I think it has to be done. So the reason why... Today's podcast is important is because I'm talking with two phenomenal women who I have teamed up with to help spread the word about what trafficking is and what everyday people like yourselves can do to help put an end to trafficking. So I'm welcoming to the podcast today for the very first time, my partners and my dearest friends, Sadali and Anna Buti from the Sadiatin Retreat. Hi, ladies. How are you doing? Hi, Tini. Good. Thank you for having us on here. Of course, our angels. I love seeing these ladies because not only do they radiate such love and absolute power in this struggle and this fight against trafficking, but you guys are always so calm and so steadfast about your mission to put an end to trafficking. So let's talk about how we first met. Um, For me, I met you guys when you were putting together and producing and shooting and learning how to create a documentary for Stopping Traffic 1. So tell me about that journey for you guys. 
I mean, this was, we've known news since 2016. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, coming into your home, being welcomed by your assistant and, you know, figuring out our setup. So this way, you know, we can interview you. And um, I remember you asked me like, hey, what are we going to talk about? Like, what's the angle that you want to discuss about human trafficking? And I remember you said, um, you know, I told you to speak from your heart. And I think that really opened up everything for you because you are so passionate about this cause, um, this crime and bringing awareness to it. And sometimes we can get caught up in statistics and, and all of those things. But when you are able to shine your passion and share your voice, I mean, that's when, I mean, I was in tears listening to uh, your interview. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that was just a few years ago and we've come a long way working together, um, you coming out here, um, you working with us um, in different productions and shoots. So it's, it's been amazing. Thank you. And I remember that interview, it actually took place in this house and I had joined uh, Anabuti and Sadali because they were shooting a documentary for the first time in their life about human trafficking. And when I asked them, where were they studying? You know, how were they getting their funding? I thought this was a whole project that was put together. I met them from very grassroots level. And to this day, they're still at very grassroots level. These two ladies produced, edited, helped put the music to, found out all the rights and the, and the rules to put making a documentary. They did it all on their own. They actually learned how to shoot on their own. These two ladies in the exact garb that they're wearing now had industrial cameras on, uh, you know, uh, 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 on their shoulders. And they were going to go shoot these things in third world countries and also on the ground, you know, very guerrilla style. And it was that that made me fall in love with these ladies because it really does take that type of, that type of posit that positive belief in yourself to just go ahead and make a film like this. So when it came to the funding, you guys fundraised yourself. You guys taught yourself how to shoot the documentary. You sourced the victims and the stories yourself. And the first documentary of Stopping Traffic was phenomenal. It garnered so many awards. Let's talk about that, the accolades that you guys attracted from this documentary that you did from your very own grassroots self. So, you know, we went into this film, our first film, just this is, it's all about our heart, spreading the word and all these things. We didn't think anything big was going to come out of it. But, you know, we ended up getting like best documentary, best feature documentary. Um, we... We screened in 12 cities and theaters at AMC theaters, and we even met the requirements to qualify for the academies. And it's just like, wow. why not? The whole idea is, you know, the if we can get onto bigger platforms, that means we can educate the global community in so many ways. And so, um, so for us, it's like all about reach, so that way there's more impact. Absolutely. And why did you ladies get behind this? That's a big question I get asked all the time. Why would two women who are very faith-based, but your spirituality is very unique on its own. Tell us about the dietin retreat. Tell us about your belief and why this equipped you to getting into the darkest, most dangerous form of crime to teach us about it. Well, we strongly believe in the idea of nonviolence. 
And nonviolence means freedom, total freedom. So when you think about all the victims, all of the people in this horrible situation of human trafficking, we know 100% that they're not free in any level. And so when we go back to this teaching of nonviolence, um, and you learn about human trafficking, you learn about sex trafficking, and you understand it, you want to do something about it, you have to do something. And so it's, you cannot be free yourself. You cannot really live the path of nonviolence unless you really are doing something about it. And what better way than to actually help those people that are enslaved, people that are not free in any way, um, and you help them, help them to come out, help them to realize you know, what situation they're in. And not only that, inspire other people around the world to do something about it too, to get involved in the fight against human trafficking, to be a part of this movement, and to support our work, our efforts um, to do this. And so it's very, very important for us. Um, I don't know if you want to talk more about the actual uh, retreat, mm. um, but we can. Um, we are in Texas, and uh, we invite people from all over the world. This is a spiritual place. Um, it really has nothing to do with religion. It's purely uh, spirituality. And what spirituality is about is self-improvement. How can you be a better person? No matter who you are as an individual, what faith you follow, um, you could be a Christian and you can still be a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. And, and same thing with human trafficking. That's one thing that we're trying to unite everyone. You know, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, you're on the left or the right, or you're a Christian or you're um, a Muslim you know, it has nothing to do with that. It's all about uniting people. And that's what spirituality is. And that's why this movement is also important because we want to make sure that everyone comes together to fight for the victims, to fight for the survivors and to put an end to human trafficking. Absolutely. I also want to share that a big uniting factor as to why we three are passionate about listening to the voices of survivors and to Keep a close eye to the daily news and occurrences of trafficking because it just worsens every day is because we all three were victims ourselves of sexual abuse. And that's something we don't talk a lot about because it's really weird, right? It's something that we all overcame and got through and put behind us. But if you really think about it, Sadali and Anabuti, the reason why we feel so connected to these survivors is not at all to compare different trauma, but but instead to understand what it was like to be manipulated, to be lied to, to to lose trust at such a young, innocent age, and to have your vulnerability stripped from you. So for me, I know that every single time I listen to the story of a survivor, every story is so different and so heinous to listen to, but that part of my heart that was victimized before grapples onto that person and suddenly you feel connected for life. So I know you ladies, how is this journey for you as you continue to dig into such dark facts about trafficking and you meet, you, you faced um, the face of traffickers themselves in stopping traffic one guys. So Dali and Adabuti were actually able to reach out to a past trafficker who kind of, turned his ways. And, and for me, I was cold about that. I was like, how can you talk to this monster? I don't want to hear anything from him. I, I, I really want him to die. 
But part of the spirituality you just spoke about, Anabuti, gave you some grace to listen to this man's story and feature him in the film, which helped other people to recognize why it was important to see how this man got into trafficking in the first place and why he pulled himself out of it. So talk to me about your own personal experience and what it's been like to face some of these, I would consider monsters, but to see them in a different way. Um, well, yeah, absolutely. Going back to what you said um, about the pain, when you, and I always say this, anybody that has gone through some type of sexual abuse, sexual harassment, or sexual assault, uh, you've tasted um, a little piece of what it feels to be a victim. And if you can only amplify that pain to imagining what the victims of trafficking have gone through or go through, um, then you know that pain. You know that that pain, pain must be un, unbearable, right? And so that's why it moves you. It, you, you become even more passionate because you want to help the victims even more. Uh, you want to do something about it. And, you know, when you do that, you're healing yourself as well. It, it's helping you overcome mm-hmm. your own pain. And we always talk about how you cannot really help others in the real sense unless you help yourself first. So it's so important that those people in the fight that, you know, if they've gone through something like this, that they really work on healing themselves so that we can really push forward the impact that we're looking for. And, you know, going to what you were saying about the meeting the ex-trafficker. He was in Mexico and we met him and it was such a unique experience. Uh, Truly, we met him, we met his mother, we met his brother, which they were all part of the ring um, of human trafficking, sex trafficking in Mexico City, in one of the most dangerous cities and areas of Mexico City. And so, We met him already after his experience. Um, He had already come out of jail. He served about 11 years in prison. And in prison, he changed. Him, his mother, and brother, all three of them changed. All three. All three. And they both, uh, all three of them say that in in prison, two things can happen. Um, One of two things. You either get better or you get worse. In their case, they they got better and they connected with spirituality. They connected with God and and they decided they chose to change their lives and they came out fully transformed from that experience in prison. So when we met him, we already knew this. And not only that, we knew he was already active in the fight against human trafficking. So he was already speaking for survivors. He was working with a leading activist in Mexico, helping her. I mean, not only that, she hired him as her driver. So they had built a level of trust, you know, that, yeah. So we went straight into that kind of um, direct communication with him. And he drove us around Mexico City to show us all the places where he used to do, um, you know, have the girls. And he told us everything that he went through, what he would make the girls do. For him, it was never about emotions. It was never about people. It was all a business for him. And he just wanted to make money. He didn't care if they cried, if they were in pain. You know, he just saw the money. And, um, and it was quite sad. But, but honestly, when you are in this fight and you really want to find solutions, we cannot just go after the traffickers. We cannot just go after the Johns. We, we have to really look at everything, um, all dimensions. 
why are the traffickers doing this in the first place? And when we begin to hear their story, what happened to them? What got them to that point that, you know, where they felt that they could do something like this to manipulate girls, control them, uh, hurt them and sell their bodies, you know? And when we heard his story, that's when we found out what kind of life he had as a child. And he confessed to us that he ran out of his house, ran away when he was eight and he took off and went into the streets of Mexico City by himself. And fortunately, a man picked him up and took him home. But unfortunately, in that, uh, at that time, the man that took him, um, he was a nice man, but he owned a mechanic shop. And he had mechanics, uh, employees that tried to abuse him sexually every single day for years. And he suffered for, from, for so much um, from that experience, but also a lot of abuse at home. And so when you begin to piece it together, you begin to realize this person is very damaged inside. And maybe we can have a little bit more sympathy or maybe a little more understanding as to why they're doing what they're doing. And maybe we can reach out to them and maybe help them. So as you can see, this is the reason why I have these two angels by my side in this fight against trafficking, because I know that a big part of my journey as I serve my purpose to fight trafficking is to gain that perspective. Because for me, even you know, 30 years later, I still have a very dark resentment towards my abuser. And I know, I'm fully aware as a Christian, I'm fully aware that it's that, that hurdle of forgiveness and compassion and grace towards that man and every other trafficker out there that will lead me to being most purposeful in my fight. So I appreciate your guys' teaching me that and I see you walk it every day and I see you fight trafficking with a vengeance and take long, painful hours and, and, and funding out of your own accounts to go and fly to these distant areas to go into these dark areas of trafficking and to sit there and, and, and listen to people who could be very, you know, it's very hard to have a heart for, but you do. And that's why I'm so proud to be united with you guys in making Stopping Traffic too, because I have a lot to learn, but I realize that it takes that type of heart to really put an end to trafficking. You know, I think, um, you know, the, those actions, that torture, that pain, you know, what they inflict upon, you know, the girls, the boys that get trafficked, those who are, you know, raped or abused, um, it's not, you know, it's not justified, right? We're not yeah. saying like, it's okay. Uh, but it's really just having that, uh, having that understanding, because when you come from a balanced place, then you can actually see solutions. But if you're too much in rage, if you're too much with anger, you can't, fight anger with anger, right? So it's, it's coming to that, that balance. And we strive for that, you know, it's not easy listening to these stories, um, you know, and being with them and, and feeling them. And, and it's just, it's, it's just not easy. It's a dark subject. Like totally. even after, even after the first film, we had to take like a year off because it was just too much. We were losing sleep, you know, we're running the, the retreat center. Um, but it was just so emotionally intense. Um, I mean, I remember on first interview, she was so impacted uh, because 
Um, I mean, you could talk a, a little bit about it, but I mean, it's it's so hard to hold back your emotions sometimes uh, during an interview because you connect to um, the person. And, I, and same thing with you, um, yeah. you know, when hungry, you know, it's just, you just want to cry and, and just connect and just feel, so. Oh, guys, this past uh about about a year in, uh, in this year, we traveled to Budapest to shoot footage for Stopping Traffic Two. I was there for maybe about a week of the ladies' trek. Their trek was much longer in Philippines, in India, um, obviously Hungary, to name a few. And for me, just in that week when I came home, I was so. I don't want to say depressed, but I felt very heavy. I mean, we had met victims that showed us, you know, their son who they had birthed from having been trafficked, you know, having been raped. You know, I was meeting, I was looking at the eyes of a little boy who, you know, so this little boy was so cute and so playful and so vivacious. And he came out of a very dark situation. And this woman was so brave to, to, you know, fight against her trafficker, find a new beginning for her son and, and to find love and, you know, eventually have a family. So these type of stories are, and then also when you leave Hungary, we, we, we went into these shelters that you, you, we are making a documentary to teach people what these shelters need and what these survivors need. But it's so heavy on your heart to leave and come back to the USA where we have support and we have, the access to therapy if we wanted. And a lot of these women, the 2% that survive have nothing of this sort to be able to pick their lives back up. So we're going to take a break, but when we jump back into this, I want to dive right into stopping traffic too. I want to talk about why you guys decided to make this film, what it's about, how we all can get access to it. And let's talk a little bit more about trafficking itself, because I still think that there's a veil over what exactly trafficking is. So after the break. Welcome back to Listen Hanai. I'm here with my dear friends and the creators, the directors, the film producers, the executive directors themselves, Anabuti and Sadali from the Sadaiatin Retreat for Stopping Traffic 1 and 2. Hi, ladies. Hi, Jeannie. <laughs> so let's talk about trafficking because I feel like today, especially during quarantine, it's become more of a trending word because of documentaries like Jeffrey Epstein, the whole updates with Ghislaine Maxwell, R. Kelly's long, disgusting journey, and these victims trying to find their place to, to be heard and to be seen. So when it comes to trafficking, I hear a lot of myths. I hear a lot of uh, confused statements like, isn't trafficking kidnapping? Or is trafficking... These women, like the R. Kelly victims, for example, they could have walked out and left at any time. These were grown women. They had homes. Some of them refused to go back. You know, some of them very vocally came forward and said, he's not trafficking us. He's not keeping us. We want to be here. And then you have things like Jeffrey Epstein, where these women are lured. But again, a lot of people wonder, they didn't have to go and accept this money to massage him. They didn't have to go there. Why is this considered trafficking? So... What I want to talk about is what exactly is trafficking and why these two scenarios are not the average case of trafficking, that it's actually a much more wide net of what trafficking is. 
trafficking happens on many scales. Like it, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have. It doesn't matter uh, which uh, background you have culturally, religiously, it, it happens all across the board. So um, to profile, you know, certain people say this is human trafficking. Um, it's a kind of injustice to the whole thing because it could be, um, you know, just a, a guy and he's prostituting out his, you know, girlfriend that he, he groomed. And, you know, it's the people that prey on the vulnerabilities and then basically make a profit on it. And so these girls, these boys, um, you know, they're so vulnerable. So they have this like brainwashing thing going and they're going to say whatever their boyfriend or girlfriend, madam, pimp, you know, tell them to do. So it's not by choice. It's not by heart, maybe their economic situation. And so even to define trafficking as like in one sentence, it's difficult because if you go to Vietnam, right, or you go to the Philippines, or you go to Mexico, or you go to Africa, or you go to Atlanta, or Atlanta, right, it, it happens in totally different ways for different reasons. So I think that's why, you know, in the fight um, against human trafficking, we have to be open to figure out these solutions because it's just so wide. Uh, but in the end, it's someone making a profit off of somebody else through, yeah. uh, you know, fraud, force, coercion. Um, and it's not just sex trafficking, right? So there's labor trafficking. People um, are forced to work for little or no money. Um, there's um, organ marriage, trafficking. Organ yep. trafficking, marriage trafficking, prostitution trafficking. I remember um, just meeting a, an executive director at uh, a shelter in Nepal, and she said the new form out there is skin trafficking. And I was like, what? Skin trafficking? Yeah. Like, yeah, there was this little girl and uh, they were peeling off her skin so that they can use it as part of cosmetics for other ladies. And then after she had basically been skinned, then she was sexually exploited. And that took things to another level for me. It's like, you know, you feel like you think you've heard all of the stories, especially, you know, in our research and all of the stories and you know, things we've read. And then you hear that. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like it, it's just worse. It get, keeps getting worse. And then we don't even know what's happening on the dark web and so on. So, you know, as the media or groups bring trafficking to light, you know, it's important to see like how bad it is. Um, but, you know, Sadly, sometimes it also gets even, what do they call it, sensationalized uh, because it grabs attention. And so I do know like survivors, nonprofits, they're, they're very concerned about things getting sensationalized because things are not al always the rope or always the chains or, or these things. Yes, it may happen, but it doesn't necessarily happen all of the time. So, um, you know, it, it's just, I don't know, it, you just, it, you keep getting surprised all right. the time. I really, I really appreciate your definition being that human trafficking involves preying on somebody's vulnerabilities for profit. One thing that we can identify from trafficking is that it's always taking advantage of someone who has given you their trust or has given you an exchange that you thought was a humane agreement. Um, it could be somebody who pretends to be your boyfriend and all of a sudden starts to ask you to do different tasks or favors and then begins to coerce you or manipulate you to thinking that you don't have another choice, keeping you against your will. Um, you might have signed up for a job and you, you 
in order to sign up for this job, you sign documents and contracts, maybe even pass over your, your social security number, give them your home address. And now this person says, well, now I have your home address and I have your social security number. I can destroy your identity online. I could go home and hurt your family unless you do these things. So there's so many different ways, but the one thing, and I don't have the best words to describe this, but this is what made me realize why human trafficking is $150 billion a year business, why it's actually happening out there, why there's 20 million to 40 million internationally enslaved in trafficking is because the human body is a remarkable, resilient force. So whether you take a newborn and you traffic that into being a child sex slave, or when this child grows, if it's a woman, you make this child, this woman now bear children so that you can sell babies, or this woman gets older and now can't bear babies because she's done so much of that, that now she's turned into a labor worker or maybe a sex slave for whoever her owner is. Like that, think about the human body. You can constantly turn it into the next role of slavery. And so you think about any product out there, even products break down. You know, if you think about something you buy, it always has to be replaced. The human body can be turned and, and, and used for different things from skin to organs. So it's really sickening how far and how much profit a human being can bring. But that gives you an idea of how sickening out there the business can be because you can use them for anything. Even after a body is discarded, it can still be sold for parts. It can still be sold for its hair, its organs, its, its liver, you know, it's crazy. So that, this is exactly why you guys decided that we had to continue with the documentary work. And you found that Stopping Traffic One was so resounding in its success and educated so many people on what trafficking is about. Now you're taking it into the depths of saving the survivors. So let's talk about Stopping Traffic Two, how you ladies decided to get into shooting this after taking a year off. Well, after learning so much about human trafficking, uh, one thing that really stood out was to, to realize how few survivors or how few victims actually come out of human trafficking. And not only that, um, most of them don't get any kind of help to help them in their healing journey. And there are not enough resources out there to help them with all the issues that you know they're bringing from their past life, all the emotional, mental, physical pain, and all the PTSD that they're dealing, dealing with. And so when we realized that, uh, we knew we had to do something about, about it. And, and that's what really inspired us to, to create the next film. We wanted to create a new message to show people and educate people about the struggles of survivors, what they go through post-trafficking. So this way, uh, people can learn and realize that they need so much help. They need a lot of resources. So we want to inspire people to invest more time, money, resources, programs, and all kinds of help into rehabilitating the few survivors that make it out. I think we um, are doing really well with raising awareness about what human trafficking is. Um, but if you really think about it, Jeannie, we can go out there and rescue a lot of people. 
But if the programs are not in place, if there are not enough shelters, what are we going to do with all the survivors? They're not going to receive the adequate help that they need. So the goal with this film is to really inspire um, as many people as possible to, to really dedicate more um, attention and, and resources into helping survivors. That is the main goal with the next film. Wow. And so to do this, you ladies actually researched and tracked down different survivors from different walks of trafficking to showcase their journey and their rehabilitation. I want to also point out that it is less than 2% of traffickers that actually make it out of their demise. And then it's 0.04% of trafficking victims actually identified. So this is literally, once you've gotten into the ring of trafficking, you are a product owned by traffickers, by Johns, and then just cycled in this network that happened so quickly and so ferociously that you really don't have an identity coming out of that. So to to make it out of trafficking and then to find a shelter that can house you and then to actually get to your mental strength in order to fight all of the trauma that you've been through is, is, is very, very slim. So Stopping Traffic 2 is a way for my listeners and people worldwide to understand why we need to have an empathy and why we need to have an understanding of this growing force of crime that's out there. Tell me one of the most memorable stories you guys had from all these amazing people that you've met. Oh. <laughs> That's, that's a, that's give a me one, give me one for each of you guys, maybe one about a shelter volunteer or, uh, you know, somebody who's provided a shelter for traffic victims and maybe something about a victim herself. Yeah. Let me, um, let's talk about Angie, the power of our first documentary of course, you know, that it educated a lot of people, but it also connected us with a survivor. So Angie, who's actually featured um, in Stopping Traffic 2, she watched our film in a New York theater uh, during the time she was, you know, getting help at a convent. And so when we put out the message like, hey, we're, we're starting another documentary, we want to feature survivors, she sent us a message. She emailed us. She's like, hey, I watched your first film. She sent us like court documents. And she's like, this is my story. This is what I've gone through. If by chance you swing through Dallas, I'd love to be a part of the film. And we, you know, typed back really quickly and we were like, we're an hour and a half from you. Our retreat wow. hour and a half. And like two weeks later, she came to the retreat center. We got to meet her and it was just so powerful. So cool. So, I mean, Jeannie, you were part of that, um, you know, first shoot. So, so think of the power of film, right? And how it helped a survivor. And now because she's involved in our second film, you know, and we're following her journey and we're connecting her with different resources. So she's literally getting the help that she needs. And so through our film, we're kind of following the actual message we're trying to put out. Wow. That's insane. And Anabuti, for you, what was been the, what's been the most standout memory in shooting Stopping Traffic 2? Well, you know, there are good and painful memories from the experience. Um, one painful experience was uh, for me, uh, we met a mother who her, her daughter was being trafficked in, um, in Mexico. And they tried to rescue her several times. 
and they she got rescued and the problem was that she had a lot of addictions so again there were not um, adequate programs or shelters with the care that she needed in order to really rehabilitate her so um, she would always end up going back and um, and so that was painful to hear, but not only that, um, a few months after we met the mother and we knew about her situation after her interview, she contacted us about three months later and she said, my daughter is dead. Very few survivors or victims survive human trafficking. I don't know if you know this, but the life expectancy of victims of trafficking, it's about seven years. And so that's why it's critical to have the right pro uh, programs for them um, so they can get the help that they need. And on the other hand, um, very successful stories. We have seen with very specific um, survivors. We, in Spanish, we call them super vivientes, super vivientes. Uh, supervivientes, super survivors. Why? Because they are heroes. They are so brave. They are so strong, so resilient, right? Um, if they have the proper care, help, love, community, tools, resources, and everything that they need, they can become outstanding people in life. And they're so inspiring, like Angie. Mm -hmm. um, we have so many names, Carla, uh, Patty, uh, Anna. I mean, so Rachel. many. Rachel, <laughs> yes. Um, so many, right? Uh, we have met them, with the, and they are successful. And that, to me, it's the most rewarding to, to connect with them and to see what they can do with their life and how they can help us as well. I'm thrilled that you ladies are a part of this fight. I, I, it, it's people like you who remind us constantly to see the full picture and to bring all of our human emotion to understanding how these people get involved in this, this, this ring of, of such pain and such suffering to begin with, right? Where can we find out more about Stopping Traffic 2? When is this going to be done? How, what are you guys doing now that we're in a pandemic? Is this holding you back? And what kind of support do you need? You know, it's um, COVID really tested us, but because, you know, we're determined to, you know, fight human trafficking and complete the film. We were actually traveling during COVID. Uh, when we left to India, they Put the, they put the U.S. in lockdown and they literally closed the borders in India. So, you know, we, we still filmed. We went to Ethiopia. We had to cut our trip short. So, uh, but we were able to, you know, film there. And um, when we came back, a lot of our shoots got delayed, but that was okay. You know, we have to take precaution and these things. But, you know, even with COVID going on, human trafficking got worse. So that's something, you know, important to mention because, you know, people are at home and so they sadly need to, you know, dive into all of those things. And there's a lot more domestic violence because, you know, the, the women and children, they're at home. So, you know, it's, it's sad, but it's still necessary to, to keep going. And so we're almost done filming. We have one more survivor to film. And so we're basically entering post-production. So right now we're in a crowdfunding campaign uh, to help raise funds, to help us complete the film because it's, it's not easy. It requires funds. And especially if you want to make a, a high caliber film so that it, you know, gets distributed widely. 
um, you know, you have to, you know, get the funds to, to make that happen. And so if people want to learn more about our work and how they can get involved, they can visit stoppingtraffic2.com. And so ideally, if all goes well, we should be releasing the film in 2022. I feel like that's such a long time away, but I know we're, we're creeping up to 2021. So that's only a year from now, but that just means so much of your work and so much of your stories really uh, need that time to be able to be told correctly. Please do go to stoppingtrafficfilm.com to check out for more information, how to watch Stopping Traffic, the original documentary, and follow these ladies on Stopping Traffic Film on Instagram. Together, we have an amazing network of volunteers and executive producers that you guys have on board. I know the news about Alyssa Milano just joining. Can we talk about that? Yeah, that was... Um that was a surprise for us, really, you know, it's, um, and we're so honored that she's joining our team, you know, she's very, she has a very strong voice, she has a relentless spirit, and she's like, I remember when we were on the phone call with her, she, she said these magical words, she's like, I believe in you, I believe in your message, and I'm in, and we're just like, wow, you know, because it takes a lot uh, for people, you know, like you, Jeannie, to really invest in uh, being part of production. It, it, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of emotions. It takes a lot of, you know, care. But to, in the name of the movement, we all come together. We come from that compassion and, and that passion. Um, it just makes it for a very, very pure project because everybody on this team, we're all volunteers. So it, we're in it for the message to, to get out there. And one thing I'd like to add is, you know, human trafficking and, and victims and survivors, they seem so kind of distant, so far away, especially when we see like or hear these big numbers. Um, we think, oh, it's only happening in third world countries, but it's really literally happening in our own neighborhoods, um, you know, in our own cities. And so even wherever you are, you can Google human trafficking in my city, in my city, and it's going to pull up. So you never know who it's happening to. And that's why it's really important to watch documentaries like Stopping Traffic to learn, you know, the, the signs and symptoms of someone because it literally could be your neighbor or even happening in your own home under your own nose. Yeah. One shocking time for me was when I was visiting a a shelter for victims here in Los Angeles, stopped by to visit a survivor and asked the shelter organization, you know, are there any um, areas that people get trafficked here in Hollywood? And one of the guys said, are you kidding me? Jump in my car. And he drove me to Sunset Boulevard and said, this here is one of the busiest red light districts in Hollywood. And I was like, a red light district? The last one I'd been to is in Thailand. And there he was driving me right past where the Golden Globes are held, where the Man's Chinese Theater is, these, these, the Walk of Stars. And there were several little cubbyhole bars and spots where he said, if you know the right hour and you know the right code, you can get in there and have access to different, anything you can desire from, from women to kids to types of, different drugs and, and people being used to transport the drugs. I was blown away that that was happening in my very own city of work. But that shouldn't have surprised me because I do know that trafficking takes place everywhere in the world. I just didn't know, even in a place like Hollywood, where you've got celebrities and a lot of public traffic. So all to say, 
I'm so thankful to have you ladies on because most of all, I wanted my audience to always hear from the sources ourselves of what trafficking is besides just reading the headlines of what it looks like, but really on the ground, the different variety of forms that it takes place and how to join the fight with us. So please do support these ladies. Get ready for Stopping Traffic 2. We're also excited about it in 2022. But on our Instagrams, we also will be posting routinely different ways that you can jump on board to support. As you heard from Sadali, funding is very important. Funding these ladies are doing on their own, not only to get the equipment to shoot, but to make the flights out to meet these survivors, to be able to edit and do all the post-production, which costs so much. Even things like buying music. I mean, everything is a crowdfunding project. So please do support Stopping Traffic however you can. And if you have any more questions, I look forward to you guys screenshot any part of this interview and DM it to me, DM it to the ladies, and we'll make sure to have your questions answered. And what I love about these ladies is if for each of my podcasts, you know I post a part of it on my gram, ask whatever questions you have in the comments below. And Sadali and Anabuti are right there to answer your questions so that you're not left on your own. So we're all in this together, and I believe that with this type of tenacity, we can put an end to trafficking. Yes, everyone, please welcome. Um, join us on the fight against uh, sex trafficking. Uh, we call it the Stopping Traffic Army because we definitely need an army of people to join us, an army of people to fight against human trafficking and sex trafficking. So please, please join us, be a part of this project. And thank you so much, Jeannie, for having us here, being a part of our team. Your heart is so huge, and we're so grateful to have you in the team and to now call you a friend. We love Love you so much. I love you ladies too. Thank you guys. Thank you everybody. Rate and review this podcast. Follow Stopping Traffic Film. Go to stoppingtrafficfilm.com and I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Listen honey, listen honey. Listen honey, listen honey. Listen honey, listen honey.